0: what is to happen? Welcome citizens to Liberty. Tales from the Tower. As your media director, it is my privilege to inform you that the following stories will contain content some listeners will certainly find disturbing. We here at Tower 4 have a few very special announcements tonight. First, as you've probably noticed, Tales from the Tower has replaced your regular seasonally scheduled broadcast. Your other favorite show will return in the summer season. In other news, the Seasonal Visual Recreation Collection viewing in Tower 9 has been cancelled by the Division of Interactive Media. The reason for the cancellation was confirmed as being the result of an overzealous yet vigilant chemical cleaning crew, who ruptured a water pipe a floor above the main exhibit hall. While most of the visual recreation was salvaged, a few pieces were irreparably damaged. Truly unfortunate news. So to bring some life back to your eyes, let's get started with a story. Tonight's tale, Imposter, was written by Caitlin Statz, and is read for us by Peter Joseph Lewis. So let us learn what can happen if you find yourself seemingly alone on the sky rail.
1: It was a busy day. I had spent the majority of the morning alongside my colleagues in the lab, trying to solve a simple but project-halting flaw in our recent prototype. We did not overcome it this morning, but we were set on figuring it out by our shift's end later in the day. But as the time for the break grew nearer and nearer, the conversation shifted from solving our problem to solving our stomachs. My colleague's collective attention span never seemed to match my own. Dr. Shale was celebrating her new research grant, and there was a consensus to go out for celebratory drinks during the break. An action greatly against every safety regulation. As the last few minutes of the morning shift ticked away, I grew excited and checked my data pad. There was a flashing light in the upper left hand, denoting I had missed a call. I excused myself from the off-topic chatter of my fellows and listened to the voicemail. Dr. Wallace. It was the voice of my floors super, Mr. Miles. There appears to have been a problem with your residence mid-morning. Please come back to the apartment as soon as possible so we can address the issue. I'll be waiting. Mr. Miles was an older gentleman who was prone to underplaying the importance of an issue. So, I excused myself from the upcoming drinks session with my colleagues and instead promptly left for the Skyrail. It was a dark day, or perhaps it wasn't. The weather never seemed to change, but the sun could cast odd shadows at particular times. The streets and tunnels leading to the station seemed empty. Usually, during break or shift changes, the sounds of hundreds and thousands of voices echoed off of the walls and the whole of the city felt alive. Empty, it just seemed so sterile, with halls of untarnished metal and towering buildings that cast dark lines everywhere. I was walking quickly, quite unsure of the train schedule at such an abnormal time. I thought about quite a few things in the silence of the walk to the Skyrail. What was wrong with my apartment? When was the next train available? Was this station supposed to be closed? Is, is that why it was so silent? To drown out my thoughts, I switched on the shortwave and picked up some news chatter. I had heard it before, more advertisement than news. The chipper woman pitched a new face cream offering. All the help you need
0: to bring life back to your eyes.
1: She was just about to say the pitch again as the station came into sight. As I stepped up to the automatic door, the woman pitched again. All the help you need to bring life back to your eyes. As I stepped through, the shortwave twitched. To bring life back to your eyes. I I shut it off. The station had bad signal, it seemed. I was left with my thoughts. The station was empty. I had never seen such a sight. But when I looked at my clock, I knew it was due to the odd hour. No one was on break. No one was on shift change. Classes were in session, and this wasn't a very prime location for recreation, There was a ding and a flash of light to declare the incoming train, but there was no announcement. All trains out of this station stopped at the next as well, which happened to be my stop regardless. The train pulled up, reflecting flashes of light into the darker corners of the station hall, and the polite chime of the doors ushered me onto the train. There was no one in the train except for an older man sitting at the very end of the car. He was gangly, with tufts of white hair peeking from the end of his grey hood, and a generally clean appearance overall. He had taken one of the larger end seats reserved for disabled patrons and carried a hefty cane in his hands as he sat. I was anxious about my apartment and going to disembark at the next stop. So I forewent a seat, even though all others were free. The train chimed again, and the doors hissed closed. The emptiness of the station slowly slid away as the train began moving. As buildings passed by, the train was cast into alternating sessions of shadow and illumination. I took sideward glances at the old man at the end of the train. He looked a little less ragged after the lights flashed by. Even less so several flashes later. The wild white hair from under the hood seemed absent. Shifts of the light can do rather odd things. I jumped. The shortwave had twitched on, it ran again and again over the same line. I switched it off and chuckled, giving an embarrassed nod to the old man. He didn't look up, but I could see his lips curled back into a wide grin. He didn't look too old anymore, or too frail, and the wide, downcast grin didn't seem to be fading. I looked away, and in that moment I heard a loud knock. The man had forcefully planted his cane onto the train floor, but it no longer appeared as a cane. The handle appeared like the curve of a pipe and the shaft was stained, rusted and metallic. I then took notice of something I could only barely make out from afar. No mark. His hands were dirty and stained, but held no trace of citizenship. Upon closer inspection, lights flashing by. His clothes were dirty. No, filthy. And frayed, if not ragged. I finally brought my eyes up to his face. I you need to bring life back to your eyes. He stared right at me. Some horrible intention pushing through his expression. His grin was lopsided, one end stretching past natural boundaries, exposing gums and molars, rotting and brown. I you need to bring life back to your life. He locked his eyes on me. Impossible. The clean old man was now some atrocity before me, approaching me. I dashed to the back of the train car and into the adjacent car. I could hear him approaching. Not quickly, no running, but the sound of metal, scratching metal as the pipe end dragged along the floor. I went to the next car, and the next. All of them were empty, and I had reached the end of the train. He was in the next car over, now still grinning and dragging the pipe. I looked around for a weapon, anything to defend myself or an attempt weak person. The box under the seat read, In Case of Fire, and contained a fire blanket. I promptly ripped it free and wrapped it around my fist. I thought maybe I could break a window. I punched hard and screamed as I heard the audible crack of my bones. He was at the end of the previous car, now opening the doors. The train should have reached my stop by now. The train should have reached the next two stops by now. There should have been people at the station. There should have been people on the train. I stood at the very end of the train. As the man walked towards me, the pipe tapping the poles along the way. That smile was not a smile. As he drew closer, I could see metal wires peeling back the skin around his mouth. And under his jacket was a shirt weaved from what I could only think of as hair down at me, he raised the pipe. I flinched as it came full force to my leg. moved around me there were so many people now at the station in the halls so many fuzzy people they tell me that when they found me it was morning I had been in a train that was out of service for the night and no one was sure how I had gotten there The woman who found me had called for medical help. My legs were indistinguishable from the browned blood of the floor, smashed into the grain of the train. My hood had been torn from my head, and my hand had been mauled, the skin of my mark removed, and the bones of my thumb and pointer finger exposed. I overheard the nurses talking. It looked as though it had been bitten off. The doctors told me yesterday that I may never be able to walk again, but at least all of my hair will grow back.
0: Thank you for listening to the Liberty Podcast. Episode 1 of Liberty Tales from the Tower was written by Caitlin Statz, co-created and produced with sound design and editing by Travis Vengroff, and mixing and mastering by Dane Leonardson. Imposter was read by Peter Joseph Lewis, with additional voices by Josh Steelman and Caitlin Statz. The Tales from the Tower introduction theme was written by Travis Vengroff, and arranged and performed by Brandon Boone. If you would like more information on the world of Atreus, please check out libertyendures.com or at patreon.com foolandscholar to support the show's creators and get bonus content. This production is copyrighted 2016 by Fool and Scholar Productions, and Liberty is a trademark of Travis Vengroff. Thank you for listening. Hope that the Archon watches over you.